Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Today is Tuesday, August 8th, 2017. Summer is half over, kids. But yes, it's only half over, because the autumnal equinox is not until September 22nd. But half over is not over over, and there's still plenty of time, well, we hope, to cram in all the fun stuff you swore you were going to do back in June. June. Remember June? It seems such a very long time ago, doesn't it? But then again, this song seems to me like it came out just the other day. It's another summer song for my well-spent youth. And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was Walk Like an Egyptian from the Bangles' 1986 album, A Different Light. And even though this song came out in September, aha, that still counts as summer. <laughs> Have you ever seen the video for this song? Oh my God, if they ever like, if you ever see like a pop-up video or 80s video um, show and this video comes on, it's really funny. It was filmed in New York City and it's just got people from all walks of life, like everyone from housewives to police to construction workers to college students doing like that King Tut walk. You know, it's it's just great. It's I hope people don't think it's cultural appropriation because, I mean, come on, it's like fun. They're not making fun of it. It's just celebrating it. Anyway, as usual, we have a lot of show for you today with another fantastic guest artist who picked this song for her intro. And when you hear it, you're going to say, whoa, 
Michelle's not the only one picking 20th century songs here. <laughs>
We're back on Radio Free Brooklyn with Fish Out of Agua. That was Led Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love from their second album in 1969. And boy, was that a whole lot of song. In a good way. And now, it's time for a whole lot of interview. In a good way. Yep, that means it's time for my favorite part of of the show. Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artist of the Week. And I'm sitting here with one of my most favorite artists ever. And I know I say this every week, but everyone is my favorite. And it's true. Everybody is my favorite. But you are actually one of my super duper favorites. Mm. So please let me stop talking and uh, introduce to you the lovely, the prolific, the versatile, and the multi-talented Dorit Koenig. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. I love being here. You are so beautiful. I love Everything about you, you're just a fascinating human being, your art, everything is just, you're very inspiring. So this is really great. Wow, I am just coated with love right now. Yeah. But, but this, is not the, this is not the Michelle Carlo show. Well, it is my <laughs> show. But I'm here to showcase you, my lovely. Oh, my God. I, I'm so glad that uh, we're able to do this because we've been trying to hook this together for a long, long time. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Yes. Um, so how, this is a question that I ask everybody at first. Where and how did we meet? Okay. Because um, well, this is an interesting story, Fish Out of Agua <laughs> listeners. It's not your usual, I met her at the moth, I met her at a show, we did theater in the 90s. No. It was my birthday, August 20th, and I went to a place called Mo Pitkins because ah. there was an open mic. And that must have been in the mid-aughts because that venue closed around 2007. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know what aughts means. Well, it means the years that are in zeros. Oh, look at that. Like like 2000 to 2009. It's the, it's the aughts. A-U-G-H-T-S. See, I just learned something new. Yeah, well, you know, I do copyright. Whatever. No, I do nothing. I do nothing. I do this. This is my job. She does everything. This is my job. <laughs> I know things. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was my birthday, and I wanted to go to an open mic, because I always like to challenge myself on my birthday. I have to do something scary. So I went to Mo Pitkin's. Which, do you remember which open mic it was? Was it Face Boys open mic? That sounds familiar. Yeah, probably was. I and don't think was there was all, another open mic going on there back then. It was all comics, and I remember that I went there because I wanted to be happy, but all the comics were doing very depressing stuff. I'm not sure how we started talking. Did you go for music? Yeah, I brought my guitar. Okay, okay, I okay. don't know what I played, but um, that was my birthday challenge to myself. Mm. Go to a new open mic and people I don't know and, and just play a Oh, song. and I was there. You were there. Then it had to be Face Boys. Okay. You were there, and I'm not sure how we started talking, but um, I don't know if I said it was my birthday or somehow you couldn't have known. Or maybe I said something when I was on stage. I might have said it's my birthday and I'm doing a, you know, this is my challenge for my birthday. So that might have been it. And then we were talking, and I guess we had the 
I was dating <laughs> your ex-husband. Yes. No, she's not the homewrecker. I'm not the homewrecker. No, years <laughs> had passed. Years had passed. Right. But, but what she's leaving out is that when she, she told me it was her birthday, I gave her a big smooch on the lips, and she was shocked. Shocked she was. <laughs> she was just like, what did this crazy woman do to me? So she, I found out later that she leaves Mo Pitkins, and we'll get more about the Mo Pitkins venue in a second because that's another example of the vanishing New York for performers. But when she meets up with her then then boyfriend, because they're no longer together, her then boyfriend, who was my ex-husband, and like she tells him that we met at this open mic and that I kissed her on the lips for her birthday, that he that was like, what? What is she doing? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, I was a little drunk. It was my <laughs> first birthday kiss of that night, and it was my boyfriend's ex-wife's. Yeah, well, you know, we're performers. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I know. And then after that, we really didn't see each other again for a number of years. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I just want to talk a, uh, for a few seconds briefly about Mo Pitkins. Mo Pitkins was a performance venue. Um, it had two floors. There was a cafe and a restaurant downstairs. And there was a cabaret room upstairs that hosted uh, a lot of burlesque shows and open mics and theatrical performances and, and music shows. And it was on Avenue A between 2nd and 3rd. Third, I think, that sounds right. and it ended up closing around 2007 or eight, and I it was one of the last places on the what we knew as the Lower East Side of, as a performance venue to just be waylaid in the wake of the encroaching hyper gentrification. The last place would have been the Bowery Poetry Club, which um, closed in 2012, but that closed and reinvented itself as a high end restaurant called. Dwayne Park. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's how we met. And that, so how, how did you get to be on stage with your guitar at Mo Pickens on your auspicious August birthday back in maybe 2006 or seven? Oh, okay, everything. Okay, yeah. I, I do like a lot of different things. Um, so I'm from the Bronx. Yay! Yay! Both, we both grew up in the Bronx. Pelham Parkway. Woo! Um, and my, I'm the first American in my family. My brother and sister are also from Argentina. My parents are from Argentina. Actually, my dad escaped Poland and uh, landed in Argentina when he was nine. And then he met my mother, who was born in Argentina. And my brother and sister were born there. And then they came to America. And I was the, uh, I like to call myself the, the broken condom accident, welcome to America, baby. So you must be the youngest. I am the youngest by far. Wow. Yes. Wow. So there's um, there's 12 and 15 years between my me, my sister, and then my brother. Wow. So it's yeah. almost like your brother and sister could be your auntie and uncle. Basically, I had four parents who didn't let me do anything. Ay. Yeah. Ay, coño. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm the like I'm the I'm the I'm the like the stupid American, you know, kind of thing. And then you know my accent was all screwed up because I was going to a very a Zionist like Israeli school. And then, so I was speaking Hebrew, Israeli Hebrew, half a day in school. Then at home it was all Spanish. Right, I was going to say, did then you grow up speaking Spanish first? I grew up hearing Spanish because I refused to speak because they made fun of my accent at home. Oh, God. Because I had the cha, the Hebrew cha, and then, and then I would put cha in everything in Spanish, and then my brother would like make fun of me, and I'm like, fine, I'm not going to speak. I was very sensitive. So I didn't speak until in college I decided to, um, I had a scholarship, so I said I'm going to go study abroad, and where I don't know anybody, I'm going to go to Spain. But, you know, 
Spain Spanish is very different than Argentinian Spanish. And which is also very different from Caribbean Spanish. Exactly. So yeah. I have we to... We all have different inflections, dialects, certain yeah, words. Yeah, and I would say ciao, and I would say these things that are very Italian. Ciao's Italian. Very Italian, but Argentina's, Buenos Aires has a lot of Italian. So mm. this is like, and the sing-song way of Argentinian Spanish is very Italian also. So it took a while for people to be like, where are you from? And I'm like, well, my family's from Argentina. But it started my speaking, my actual get over the fear of speaking. And I do speak now to my parents in Spanish, but sometimes I stutter a bit. But it's because my brain is trying to go through the three languages and the other bits of other languages that I also was speaking. So it's still, you know, it's not perfect, but I understand perfectly. Mm. And I can have a fine conversation with anyone who speaks Spanish. Wow, trilingual. I don't know if you can call me try anymore. When mm. I was a kid, yes. Wow, yeah. wow. That's how I am with Spanish. Mm. I'm lucky. I'm, I call myself one and a half lingual. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, good. because, be, okay, I'm going to do my bad Spanish. I got corrected. Last person that I interviewed, uh, Dominicana, and, and I was mispronouncing, and she was like saying, gently correcting me, and I was like, oh my God, just like my titi. So <laughs> I'm going to say, yo entiendo todo, pero no hablo bien. That's exactly what I say. Yeah. Pretty I know, much exactly. So, so watch out what you say because I know, but like it, to come out, it's like, eh. Right, exactly. And also, like, I was dating a Puerto Rican guy once and I, and I went to Puerto Rico. And in Argentina, the way you say bug, and I don't know if this is bad if I say it now, but the bug is bicho. Yes. And so I was in, in Puerto Rico and all these bugs were crawling on me, and I'm like, where are all these beachos coming from? And he's like, don't say that. Right. I'm like, why? Because bicho means male genital <laughs> organ. It's not saying penis, it's like saying dick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's the same thing happened. Uh, my mom, who is Puerto Rican, had a friend whose family was from Spain. And she they went to Orchard Beach and horse flies were yes. around. So my mom's friend jumped up saying, Mira el bicho, mira el bicho. And all these people were just like <laughs> turning around. And like she was like so shamed. And she didn't know what. And my mother's just like turns bright red and she whispers in, in her friend's ear what she said. And then the girl was just like, 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 like oh just mortified. My God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mother had a crazy story because even like Spanish from when she was in Argentina, like the slang has changed. So she was trying to tell somebody how they have all these preservatives in, you know, in our foods here in America. So she was saying like all the preservativos mm -hmm. and they were all laughing like, don't say that because it means condom. Oh, does it? Yes, and my mother was saying that uh, there are all these preservatives in the food, and they were hearing condoms in the food. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, so let, let, let's get back to uh, art. Yes. When you were a little girl growing up in, you grew up in an apartment building or a house? An apartment. Okay, did, what, what floor are you on? The third floor. My parents are still there. Okay. Mm -hmm. I grew up on the top floor of mm. my walk-up tenement. Mm. So when you were a little girl in your bedroom on the third floor, did you dream of being an artist back then? Um, I remember wanting to dance with Michael Jackson. <laughs> I remember wanting the super the the Justice League to save me, because um, you know it was it was tough growing up for me for many reasons. But I I actually prayed to a poster of the super the Justice League, mm. and so I was obsessed with Wonder Woman. No, who wasn't in the eighties, right? Yeah, but I was actually I was literally praying to this poster. I was like, just save me, you know, and. Um, and I wanted to dance with Michael Jackson. I was from five. I was playing piano, and in school I was in the choirs, and and I was already doing ballet at age three. Are your parents musicians? Did they have musical no. backgrounds? Okay. Apparently, when I was born, my middle name is Elena, and it's after my mother's mother. 
I never, I never, I only met one grandfather, my one grandparent, my, my Zayde, which is how you say it in, in, in Yiddish, Zayde <laughs> is your grandfather. So I only knew one Zayde, and uh, he passed when I was seven in Argentina. But um, apparently my mother said when, when I was born that she was going to give me what her own mother couldn't have. Oh. So I, and she still says that, that that was my thing, to give you the dancing or the music or whatever. I don't know. But I, I, w I never heard that my grandmother wanted to be an artist of, of, you know, I didn't hear that. But apparently it's what my mom says. So I don't think that was the case. I mm. mean, Argentina was very hard for them, too. They were poor. You know, things were, were yeah, very difficult. They were Jews. You know, it was hard. You know? Yeah, and there was like Evita Peron and stuff yes. back in those days. Yes. So the and government was not stable. And not only that, yeah, all the desaparecidos and all, and all that whole yeah. thing. And also, but not only were the Jews coming to Argentina, the Nazis were coming there too. Yeah. So they, it's always like this I, I can't place. even. That's one thing that I always wonder about with South, with certain countries in South America, one mm -hmm. being Argentina, the other being Uruguay, and the other one being Brazil. Mm -hmm. Those are places that a lot of Jews escape to. Mm -hmm. And those are also places that are rumored to have Nazis escaping there. So right. I can only imagine if your family is Jewish and you escaped like death and mm -hmm. dismemberment and whatever mm -hmm. to go someplace safe. And like across the street are the people that were trying to persecute you. Right. Oh, how do you wrap your brain around that? It's crazy. But they're all they were all just trying to survive. So it wasn't like they're going to start it down there. You right. Know what I mean? But still. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's crazy. Actually, my mom she says when she was 10 years old, she was walking on the street, and she could have sworn that Hitler was right in front of her. What? And they looked at each other's faces. And oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. So, um, okay, so you started out with uh, dance and music lessons. You were playing piano by the time you were five years old. Yes, I remember starting at five years old. There was a woman in my neighborhood, and then I was in ballet at three, and I remember going to a place called Bronx House. I know what Bronx House yes. is. So that was just a block away from the house, so it wasn't too far, you know, anybody could walk me. So I was at Bronx House on the weekends. I would watch my morning cartoons and then go to the, the piano class and the ballet class and come back, finish the cartoons and, you know, do Bronx life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Bronx life. We had very different Bronx life. Yes. I was hanging out in schoolyards with boys. I wasn't allowed to hang out anywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, where, so as you got older, did you, when you went, did you go to like a arts high school or a performing arts college? I wanted to go to uh, LaGuardia or, or Fame, the Fame school, and I yeah. got in. You got into Fame? I wasn't allowed to go. Oh, man. It was the '80s, and my mother was like, "There's no way you're taking the train. You're going to go to Bronx Science, and you're going to take all the arts classes you want outside of school." Oh man! But I got in, and, and you know what? My my English name is Doris. My American, like I hate saying, I can't believe I'm saying it on this. In Spanish, it's Doris, and English it's Doris. So I was going by my legal. English name and it was Doris. So in the fame movie, the character Doris. Oh, that's right. She cries during her audition, singing memories. And me, going by Doris at the time, went into my audition and I went singing Tomorrow from Annie. Mm -hmm. I had no vocal lessons. I was just in the choir at school, whatever. I went in and I think there was a high C and I cracked and the tears started falling down my face. And they're like, do it again. And I cracked again. The tears started falling down my face, and I could not control myself. And, um, and then they saw, they're like, oh, we see that you're also auditioning for piano. Why don't you sit down and play the piano? So I played, and I actually relaxed because, I, I mean, I had lessons, you know, whatever. And I ended I, I, after that audition, I never sang again until the, the announcements in school came of who made it into what school. So I'd gotten into Bronx Science, and then I'd gotten into LaGuardia, the fame school, for music, 
and her voice. Really? And I said, are you kidding me? I stopped singing like all those months ago because I cracked and was crying. But like just like Doris and Fame, the me Doris like was crying through my entire singing audition too. It was nuts. <laughs> but you, oh my God, that's an amazing story. <laughs> but you know, just because you cracked on the high C doesn't mean you can't sing. It just yeah. means you can't sing that high. Right, or I but didn't know how to do it. Right, or you I wasn't trained. And, right, and yeah. you, you, you didn't know how to, to get enough breath to push mm -hmm. yourself up to sure. that. Even I know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Wow. Wow, so they they saw it in you, man. You could have went to fame. Well, my parents were like, no way. You're no, not getting on the train. I, ha I, have a, I have a similar thing. I wanted to go to the High School of Art and Design. Mm. I wanted to make, I wanted, me and my best friend thought we were going to make graffiti comic books, and then we were going to marry cute boys, and they would stay home and take care of all the kids while we just made more graffiti comic books mm. because it was like all women's lib and stuff. And we're like, yeah, we're, we're in eighth grade. We can do anything. That's awesome. But then, um, I was sick the day of the test. My brother had the mumps, and I caught them. And in those days, there were no makeups. So I was shut out of that test. And then um, a, a, about a week later was the, was the test for Gronk Science, and I took it, and I passed. And my father was like, well, you're going to go there. And I was like, no, I'm not going there. And, and it was like, what? And then I think I think. I wanted to take the test for Stuyvesant also because the they were letting test. girls in the same, yeah. you know. And my father was like, you're not going there. You're not taking the train. And like, <gasps> meanwhile, he was like, you're not going to Manhattan to go to school. And I was just like, so it would it would be okay for me to take two buses. Yes. Like, 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 three, like two and a half hours yes. from where we lived in the East Bronx mm -hmm. to go to the West Bronx. And I couldn't take the number six train a 40-minute ride down to school. Unbelievable. So, I so we have a similar story. Yeah, I wouldn't go. And, and I ended up going to Lehman, and that was just hell in a hand basket. But wow, I know very soon. I know, hmm. I know. That's three. That's like a trifecta. Yeah, I swear. Crazy. I know. Like, wow. yeah. So, did so you went you went to Bronx Science, and yes. did you end up going to a performing arts college? No, and I ended up going to Boston University because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I thought I might want to do athletic training, which is kind of like physical therapy. And VU was like one of the top three in the country. So I'm like, okay, if I want to do that, they have that. If I want to pursue music, they have it. Mm. It's like an NYU, but I didn't want to be in New York, even though NYU called my house trying to recruit me. And I'm like, no, no way. I need to get out of the Bronx. So your father let you out by then? <laughs> yeah, but they almost didn't let me go because one day I, I, I was sleepwalking in, in the house. And I opened the front door and I was in my camison, you know, mm -hmm. my, my nightshirt. And, um, and I woke myself up with the, the clicking of the locks. And I was like, Mom, I, was, I almost just walked out of the house. She's like, you're not going to college. Wow. Yeah. She's like, you're going to go to yeshiva or you're staying in New York. And I was like, no way. You know, and I managed to get, like, scholarships to, like, every school that I applied to. So I, I was like, I'm going to go somewhere that has every single thing possible because I have no idea what I'm doing. And then, so BU was it. I don't know if it was the best choice at all, but, you know. Well, it was, it was the choice. It was what I did. And that's where you went. Right. So when, when you graduated, you came back to New York? Or I did came you back stay to New York, no. I, di I didn't know how to live at that point. I was so sheltered. And I, you know, I knew if I went anywhere, I'd need a car. But I didn't have money. I didn't know how to do things. You know? Yeah, it's hard when you're young and you don't know how to live yet. Yeah. And, and it's also difficult when you are living in a family situation that's not really imparting that information for right. whatever reason it is, whether they right. want they, either they want to try to protect you, they yeah. want to keep you close, mm -hmm. or, or they don't trust. I mean, there's so many different right. reasons, and who knows what, what right. parents are, are thinking. Right, but thank God, like, I did learn to drive exactly when I, was, when I was able to. That was very important in my family. 
and there were certain things that I did that other people didn't do, but I didn't have the the real the freedom that I craved, mm. you know. And even till this day, like the thought of of living with someone else or giving up my apartment, where it is like it's very scary to me because it took so long for me to achieve a certain amount of freedom. Mm. So it's a big thing in my life to be free. Yeah. Free to read. Even though I'm never quite free, but, <laughs> but at least I have my own place that is my my own place. So what started you on the road um, to becoming the performing artist that you are today? How did you become a belly dancer? Yes, at my peak I was known, yes. Okay, known. so so let's hear let's hear about a little bit about that trajectory. So I'm this Jewish girl from the Bronx. My parents are from other countries, they're paranoid about the world, blah blah blah. Be careful, Arabs, this, that, whatever. So when I was in college, it, there was a, a birthday party, and I met this guy from Kuwait. And uh, we were dancing, and he's like, you have the perfect body for Arabic dance. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but OK, thank you. So he had never met like a Jewish girl or hung out with anyone. I'd never hu really hung out with like an Arab guy or whatever. So we ended up going out on a date. And I called my mom, and I said, Mom, I know this is going to freak you out, but I'm going out with a Kuwaiti because I want to learn about this culture that I'm supposed to be so scared of. You know, she's like, OK, be careful. So, and, he w and we were in a car, and he was playing this music, and I said, you know what? I'm kind of freaking out. He's like, me too. <laughs> so, but it, it, was, it was like wonderful. It was very like short, but his friends were very nice to me. He was nice to me. Um, he, ended up going, he ended up going back to Kuwait marrying his cousin, but whatever, besides that. I learned, and my eyes opened, and it was totally fine. And then I came back to New York. I graduated. I met an Egyptian guy. I was at a party. There was a belly dancer. I didn't even like it. I thought it was kind of vulgar. But then I was like moving my hands, and the guy was like, I'm so impressed, I'm so impressed. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And then his friend, a few weeks later, showed me a videotape of a wedding, and there was a belly dancer in it. And she was gorgeous. Nobody touched her. It wasn't vulgar. And I was looking at her hip movements, and something in me knew that somehow I can do that, and I didn't know why. Ah. And, well, uh, you're, you're Latin. Of course you, have, you know how to move your hips. But I didn't grow up dancing, social mm. dancing. My parents were just, you know, very conservative. So I was doing ballet. Mm. And yeah, I went to like other, I went to Broadway Dance Center on my own, like when I was 14 or whatever. But um, I wasn't brought up in, it wasn't open. It wasn't like other Latin cultures were like kind of warmer. This is like, you know, a survivor Jewish family that's, you know, protective, you know, and, and scared, I guess. I don't know. So I, I was, and I was very shy, so I didn't get up and do things in front of people unless I was with my dance class or with a piano school, you know, so on a, in a real auditorium kind of situation. But um, what were we talking about? We're, to we're talking about how, <laughs> you, how you got into belly dancing. Yes. So after I saw that video, my friend who was in med school at the time calls me up. She's like, there's an, there's an article in New York Magazine, 1998, June of 1998. And she calls me up, and she's like, and there's this dance school. So I'm like, all right, enough, because this was three for three already. So I'm like, give me the address of that school. That weekend, I went to that school. Two weeks later, I, was, I put my money down to go to Egypt with the, with the teacher. Wow. Yes. And Oh, no, two weeks later, I was already going on a trip to Turkey and, and Greece. I had already planned that. Was that with the famous Serena? The trip to Egypt was. Wow. Yes. Serena was like one of the most famous belly dancers and teachers in New York City. She had a studio yes. when she was internationally known. Yes. And we're, we're actually, it's the 10-year anniversary of her passing in August, and we're doing a tribute for her finally. Wow, wow. Um, so another crazy story is that I didn't tell my father I was going to Egypt or that I was, no, I was going to Egypt, but he didn't know I was belly dancing. And I was going with a group of belly dancers, or Middle Eastern dancers, as I like to say. And so my parents drive me to the airport, 
And I'm like, bye, mommy, bye, papi, whatever. See you in 10 days. I get on the plane. I'm like, great, I'm safe, you know? Serena gets on the plane with her husband, Rip. May they both rest in peace, wonderful people. And Serena was like, and she was, you know, I, was, I wasn't going by Dorit yet. And Serena was like, Doris, you'll never believe this. Your father recognized me from upstate when we used to dance and perform up there. So my cover was blown. Your father knew Serena? My father recognized Serena and her husband, Rip. My parents had been in the, where is that area where all the Jews go? Catskills. The Catskills. <laughs> yeah. So they were up in the Catskills, and apparently my mother had taken a belly dance class with Serena 10 years before, and they had seen Rip drumming, and my father immediately recognized her and Rip. And I was just like, oh, my God, he knows. He knows I'm belly dancing. <laughs> so when I came off the plane on the way back, I was freaking out, freaking out. And then, you know, but it, it was okay until I was walking around with a sword on my head one day at home, and my father was like, this is why I sent you to university. This is why. Whatever. And then, like, at some point, he's like, okay, shake your moneymaker. You know? Oh, my God. So, so, and that started your career. So tell us a little bit about, like, how long that went. And um... Yeah. Okay. So while I was in Egypt, I was just starting out, but Serena was telling everybody that I'm her best dancer. And I was like, why is she telling me? I don't even know how to dance yet. I've been dancing for, what, just two months? But I guess she saw something, and, and then as soon as I started dancing, even though I didn't understand the culture and I didn't really know anything, I did love the music. And the Arabic people I danced for, they're like, you're one of us, you understand this, you understand the, the rhythm and the rhythms and everything. And then I started drumming, and it became even more so. And, um, and then I, I just, I quickly became like a favorite in, uh, in the Arabic world, and then I was doing the clubs and the nightclubs, and at one point I, there, I almost went to the White House. Wow, with under which president? Clinton. Wow. So Mubarak wasn't apparently in town, and um, some of us were were going to go through the through the consulate, I think. And then I remember I went trying to look for a costume that was more covered, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be overexposed. And I didn't really understand how this happened so quickly. I was going to the White House, but then at the last minute, for some security reasons, the whole thing was canceled mm. right as we were headed for the you know for the transportation. And, but I never forgot that because I was so, I was only about a year and a half into the dance when that happened. Wow. And then, you know, eventually I did one competition and I won and they sent me to another one and I won that one. And I didn't do it for, for winning competition. Like I had other things going on in my life and I had to prove to myself that I still had a strong will. So um, it really proved to me that I, I'm, I've got something strong. <laughs> it, it sounds to me that I, I'm fascinated with this because I know nothing about I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the, on the show mm -hmm. is besides the fact that I, I admire you as an artist and we've worked together, which we'll get to in a little mm -hmm. in a little bit, but like most of the people I've had on are writers or storytellers, mm -hmm. and you have a totally different background. You're mm -hmm. a dancer and a, and a musician and a writer, like, extra. So, mm -hmm. And it just sounds to me how belly dance is such a welcoming community. So you being Jewish and Latin, you, they just embraced you, even though you were... Mm -hmm. I would say they embraced me as a dancer. Okay. Um, at first, I was afraid to let people know I was Jewish, but I didn't want to change my name completely. So I just decided to use my, my given Hebrew name, Dorit. Mm. But I figured people would know I was Jewish, but I, I decided I wasn't going to hide it. Right. You know? I just felt like I wasn't going to dishonor my parents by, by not using my name and, and pretending that I'm not you know, part Argentinian, part European, part this, part that. So I, I just was me, but with my, using my Hebrew name. And I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that they accepted me because I, you know, with everything. I just was a 
good enough dancer and I respected them and I conducted myself very professionally. Yeah, so I think just because I was good enough and also the musicians and I worked very well together and I was studying the music. I went to, I had a scholarship to an Arabic music retreat. I started, you know, singing in Arabic and I started playing percussion and then I went, ended up going back to my own music. But actually now, 20 years later, I'm singing in Turkish and Greek. Wow. And yeah, with, with all the same people that I came up dancing with. Now I'm actually in the bands. So Billy Dance basically took you around the world. It did. Thanks what, to what, Serena. What, a, thanks um, to Serena. what an amazing education that is. It's a crazy one. Yeah. yeah. So now your music, how did you are also you are also a singer-songwriter. Yeah. How did that segue through the belly dance? Did it, was it did you have these two careers concurrently? Did they like yes. circle each other? They were always at the same time. I think I always wanted to go for music harder, but I was very I was very shy and my parents were very controlling and I didn't open my mouth. And I also had a lot of throat aches. I had tonsil problems when I was a kid and I think it's because I couldn't speak. You know, I was just afraid to talk and like express myself because I would always get in trouble for saying whatever. You know, I just came from a, you know, kind of a hard family. And um, so it took me a while to be able to put my voice in public. Mm. And, but I'd always been playing instruments. I could sit at the piano and play my heart out, but I couldn't, I couldn't use my voice yet. I mean, I know I'd also sing with choirs, but in my own voice, I didn't have have it yet. I was fearful. And also, I was so well known as a dancer, I was afraid to do something badly. So, <laughs> going back to to the beginning, when, I, when we first met, mm -hmm. and I said that we met again years later. Mm -hmm. Years later, and I'm going to say it's about four years ago, I took a solo performance class at the People's Improv yes. Theater called Flying Solo, and I sit in the class, and who walks in <laughs> but you? And, and it was, we look at each other, and I remember, and we hadn't seen each other in a number of years. Like, I guess like well not I, true huh? <laughs> you didn't see me but I saw you oh, but here I, we are in the same class mm -hmm. with the wonderful wonderful Peter Michael yes. Marino who we love how much yes. do we love Peter oh my God, we love so you much. Peter yes. oh my god he is one of the best teachers ever people teachers everything yeah yeah yes. yeah that this man has like a supernatural preternatural ability to know exactly what you need to do to make your performance and your writing better mm -hmm. and he imparts you that information in a way that's not pedantic and doesn't make you feel less than right you don't feel like an idiot right. so we met in the flying solo class and yes we both were struggling a little bit to write our solo pieces and yes. we both did them. I did sol I did two solo comms. I did a solo com in 2014 and 2015. So which was the one we did together? I was still trying to do a version of my of Fish Out of Agua. I was still trying to make it into Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I also saw you do TT Shell. Was that yeah. the next year? That must have been the next year. Oh, so I saw you both times. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and, and then you. I did There Goes the Neighborhood, the, sh the show with the bear. Yes. Yeah. But I do remember seeing you. I came to see you do TT Shell. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So I did. So um, what just made you decide to try to go into solo performance? Because that's such a different mode of expression than dancing and music. Yeah, well, I got stuck because I didn't know what I was doing. I'd, I'd also done some acting also. And... You know, I was very unhappy with my dance stuff. I, I'd already, like, reached my peak, and the it's very hard to gain respect in that world, and I have a big thing about respect, and I can't stand fighting the whole belly dance thing. I was not even calling it belly dance. I was calling it Middle Eastern dance. There's, a, there's an article about me right now in, in Vice broadly, and it's all about that. 
Uh, I think it's called The Women Fighting Stereotypes in Middle East, in Raksharki is what they call it's it. It's about you? It's partly about me and partly about another teacher in Well, Paris. that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, so that just came out like a week ago, and already there's like controversy on that. But I always had this love-hate relationship with the dance, and I knew I had to do something else also. Like, dance yeah. will never leave me. Yeah. I can't, it's, it's, in, my, it's, in, it's yeah. in my system already. But, um, and I love teaching it also, because I see other people, how they blossom from it, you know, when they learn to improvise and that. But, um, and again, I forgot what we're talking about. One of the things that I love about, I loved about your solo work, the oh, work that you were work. trying to do, yes. was that you were incorporating your music yes. in with it, and also you did a song that had Wonder Woman in it. Right. And that's like yes. going back to your childhood yes. when you were like praying to the Justice yes, League. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so actually I met this woman in, in a belly dance class I was teaching, and she somehow took a liking to me. And I guess she was trying to like fix me in a way. <laughs> and she's like, you need to do solo shows. And I'm like, what? And so I was like, I was open to anything because I was just really lost. You know, I, I get lost here and there. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this. And she's like, you need to put all of your stuff together. So that's how I ended up at the pit in that class to put everything so together. So but how did you find out about the pit? Did you like re I research knew, it online or did you know somebody? I knew two dancers who had done classes and shows through the pit. Wow. Yeah. So Tandava, she did a, a, something called Blood on the Veils. It, it's a dance uh, solo show. And um, Kelly Hornacek, who's now out in um, Kellyanne, she's out in um, California. But she did a whole show about her grandmother from Hungary, I think. It was beautiful. And um, I'm like, and they, they both loved it, and they did beautiful shows. And I thought it was very... Um, Oh my God, the word's leaving me. Courageous and beautiful mm. and creative and a different side that, of them. And I'm like, maybe this, you know, maybe. It, 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 it's a great art form. It's a yeah. great show of expression. I mean, I, I remember loving your show very much. And I heard a rumor that you're going to play the Wonder Woman song for us. Or you're going to play, no, oh. you're going to do, <laughs> no, you're going you're gonna to do a song from the other show. Yes. I mean, I, I chose this song because it's along the lines of your whole, like, New York changing thing. Yeah, you've heard me, me do this song, so I played it last night at the, at the Sidewalk Cafe. Because she's a working musician. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's one of the songs that I wrote about how New York is changing, but it's funny because another, another writer, a friend, do you know John Berger? Yes. Okay, so John Berger... Um, Sidewalk he, Cafe. He actually doesn't like when I play this song because he's like, you don't look like you're from the ghetto. And I'm like... I you grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in what the, the Bronx. What the, what the, you're wearing hoop earrings. No, let me that's stop. True. I'm, I'm wearing one hoop, so that's even more ghetto. <laughs> yeah, that, I lost that, the other. Yeah, because the other one got pulled out. <laughs> it's like, don't make me take my earrings out, oh yo. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, you don't sound like you're from there and you don't look like you're from there. And I'm like, well, I mean... I wrote it about how things have changed, you know? Yeah. Like, and like in the Lower East Side, too, like my most favorite places to eat are gone. Barraquette. I Turkish know, Barraquette, that killed oh me. Oh my God. The yeah. middle of the night, I would go get my lentil soup, and now it's gone. They had the best you know? lentil soup. Oh my God. So many places that I love are gone. I still, I mean, I love where I live now because I feel safe, I have to say, even though maybe it's boring to people, but at least, like, I grew up, I wasn't allowed to go outside. You were. I wasn't. Well. And my parents were jewelers in the Bronx, and we had the cops coming you know, calling us three times a week, and I'd be out in, in my pajamas in the car with my parents waiting for the cops to come. And then they had bulletproof glass. They had guns to their heads. This is me, the way I grew up. Yeah, did so, they get looted during the blackout 40 years ago? And No, when I was 10 years old, overnight, we lost the store. They, you know, there was a burglary. They torched the safe. We lost everything. And, you know, it was a terrible time in our lives. Well, my parents had to completely rebuild. It was a 
horrible, horrible time. They, they were going to pull me out of school, and then the school said, don't take this child out. We'll put her on a scholarship. You guys pay when you can pay. You know, and, my f and they, they somehow made it. But when I think about it now, I'm, like, I'm going to start crying. Because, like, how the hell did my parents do that? You know, they had three kids and a cat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's five and a cat, you know, in the Bronx. And, and, and you know, how, how, did, how did my mother push? Like, how did my father people survive? Do, people, you know? people survive. They do what they have to do in, in a changing New York. Yes. So let's hear your song. Yes. <laughs> What's the name of it? Um, I call it the Lotto Song. Okay. Um, for it, or sometimes I just write, you know. Call, I I don't, I'm not one of those people that go by titles. Most 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 songwriters, you know, start with titles. I don't. I write the song and then I do it. Well, he, this is the first sit. time we've had music on Fish Out of Bago. I'm so excited. Yay! If I sit on this table, can you aim this at me? Yes. Okay, let's try that.
Dory, that is awesome. Oh my God, thank you. What a treat, what a treat. So where can we see your fabulousness next? Um, yeah, so... Um, you can read about you at that article. Where's that article? In Vice Broadly, there's an article um, about uh, women fighting stereotypes in Middle Eastern dance. Um, I'm playing at the Anti-Folk Festival at the Sidewalk Cafe, uh, 94 Avenue A, on August 8th at 8.20. It's a half-hour set. And also, I'm going to be in a play at the Episcopal Actors Guild on August 24th. It's a new play. And it's my f I think it's my first time doing an actual play in New York that's not part wow. of a school. So it was very random how I got that, but I'm very excited. It's very challenging for me. So it'll be something really new, yeah. So you're, you're keeping out of trouble this summer. That's amazing. That That's could so be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting into trouble. Okay, yeah. Dory, in, in closing, um, if there's anybody listening to Fish Out of Agua who's maybe a young person sitting in their bedroom in a tenement walk-up in the Bronx yes. or in Brooklyn or in Queens or in Amsterdam or in Paris or in Kuwait or in Egypt or anywhere around the world that dreams to be an artist, what would you tell them? I have a soft spot in my heart for us Latin girls because <gasps> we are told that we can't so often. Right, or we're told we have to be quiet. And we're told we have to be quiet. Right, and yeah. be shy and yeah. be a nice girl. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so scream. Scream. Scream when you have to. Okay, scream. one, two, three. Ah! <laughs> All right, Dory, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. That was a little bit of thunder. I was looking in my sound effects library and this sound effect has a creator whose name is Mike Koenig. It's the same last name as Dorit. I don't know, Mike Koenig, Dorit, Elena Koenig, are you guys related? May, maybe Fish Out of Agua brings together long lost cousins. <laughs> oh, Dorit is so busy. And that show actually that we were talking about is tonight, Tuesday, August 8th. Dorit Koenig as part of the Anti-Folk Festival at the Sidewalk Cafe, starting at 8.20, half an hour set. Sidewalk Cafe is uh, actually free with, uh, I think you have to buy like one beer and they pass a hat for the performers. It's totally worth it. You're going to see a lot of great people. Please go see the great Dorit Koenig tonight, Tuesday, August 8th at 8.20 p.m. I'm going to be there. And now I'm going to play another song that Dorit picked for this um, for this segment and it's a very interesting choice of song, of which I will tell you after we play it. A couple of years ago, in the days of the Saturday Night Swing Club, I had the pleasure of introducing three young ladies, the Andrew Sisters, who in turn introduced a song that swept the country. And it's a real pleasure to say again, Laverne, Patty, and Maxine, the Andrew Sisters singing by Mir Vistushane. You, I was lonesome, and when you came inside, you my heart grew light in this old world. You knew to me, humorless, while well, I have to admit you, just a expression that really fit you. And so I've racked my brain, hoping to explain all the things that you do to me. For me, a bestie shame, please let me explain. For me, a bestie shame, means you're grand. 
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That song was Baymir Beast to Shine, which means, to me, you're beautiful. It was sung here in English by Laverne, Patty, and Maxine Andrews, otherwise known as the famous Andrews Sisters, accompanied by legendary swing band leader Glenn, M- Glenn Miller and recorded in 1938. This was a song that swept the country at the time, but the original song, the original Baymir Beast to Shine, was composed for a Yiddish musical by Jacob Jacobs and Shalom Secunda back in 1932. There were no videos back then of this performance, kids, and I could not find the soundtrack, but thankfully, the swing version of this song was recorded. That musical, called I Would If I Could, ran for a full season in what was once called the Parkway Theater, which was on St. John's Place and Eastern Parkway in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Brooklyn was once home to many small theaters who catered to all different ethnic groups. Some of these theaters have been revived, like the King's Theater on Flatbush Avenue, but most have been torn down. But this theater, the Parkway, was renamed the Rollin Theater, and it's now on the National Register of Historic Places and has a new life as a non-denominational church, which goes to show how New York City just goes through one evolution after another. Hey kids, we're just a blip on the radar of history, so take that thought with you the next time you go to your local beer garden on a long summer's evening. Ah, summer. Oh, snap. It's the second week of August. Where does the time go? And that's our show. If you like what you've heard today or on any other day, why not consider sponsoring us? You can sponsor any show, including, of course, Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo, for as little as a dollar per episode. That's the cost of that cheapo weepo lotto ticket you know you ain't gonna win anyway. And when you support living artists, guess what? Everyone wins. We're gonna leave you with a final song chosen by Dorit, La Donna Immobile from the opera Rigoletto, composed by Verdi in 1851, and sung here by acclaimed tenor Luciano Pavarotti. Some of you from a certain generation X, (laughs) might also recognize this as being part of a soundtrack from a Bugs Bunny cartoon you watched in the 70s or 80s or even late 60s, or a commercial for Spatini Spaghetti Sauce. Yes, not just your songs being co-opted to sell stuff these days. That's been going on for a long time. Well, stay tuned for Brooklyn Bandstand next, and we'll see you next week. 
Happy summer!